Hey everyone, welcome to this week's Going in Circles Big Monday show. This is the Going in Circles Podcast Network. My name is Charles Simon. I am the host of the Going in Circles Podcasts. My co-host, El Sniper, Mr. Barry Spears, will be with us as soon as the first break concludes. Check out Pleasant Acre Farms. If you have a mare that needs to be bred in Florida, that's the place to go. Fantac. They've got a monopoly on all the jockeys, and they also have Going in Circles gear. If you want Going in Circles gear, just let Cameron know. Fantac.com. Tell them you want the Going in Circles discount. You will get a discount. I guarantee it. Anyways, we have to talk about, well, what else do we usually talk about? Mr. Baffert, uh, he had a hearing today, so we'll talk about that and talk to Barry about what he thinks about uh, what might happen. Um, also talk a little bit about the derby preps from last week, one kind of major one, one kind of minor one, and uh, looking forward to uh, <clears throat> the big card at the fairgrounds next Saturday. Anyways, we'll be back in just one minute and 13 seconds. Pleasant Acre Farms is a full-service breeding operation located in Morriston, Florida, just outside of Ocala. If you want to get involved in the breeding business in the Sunshine State, or you're already involved, Pleasant Acre Farms is really the only place you need to know. Joe and Helen Barbazon, who are just great people, do a fantastic job taking care of your mare. Uh, they have a solid roster of 13 stallions with a really diverse group of pedigrees. Your mare will find a match at Pleasant Acre Farms. Currently, the star of Pleasant Acre Farms stallion roster is Neolithic, who is by far a runaway winner of the Freshman Stallion of the Year here in the state of Florida. His son, Make It Big, just made it 3-for-3, three three, winning the $400,000 Springboard Mile at Remington Park, earning 10 points towards the Kentucky Derby in the process. Pleasant Acre Farms is your one-stop shop for breeding in the state of Florida. Check them out at www.pleasantacrestallions.com or on Twitter at P-A-S Stallions. You can also give them a call at 352-528-2885. Pleasant Acre Stallions, check them out. Hey there, Barry Spears. Hey there, Charles Simon, pet detective. Uh, great to speak with you, as as it always is on every Monday night. Giant Monday. Gigantic Monday. It's Valentine's Monday. Uh, that it is. <laughs> <laughs> Considering <laughs> the state of our lives, uh, we're on. Uh, we're talking to each other. <laughs> <laughs> what happens <laughs> uh, it's like the pictures i sent you of uh, of us in high school oh boy <laughs> things have changed <laughs> yeah 100 pounds lighter man i wish it was only 100 <laughs> uh, but um so you went to tampa this weekend yes 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 a good day at uh, the bay excellent excellent day Weather cooperated. It was gorgeous out. 
It's always a good thing. Saw and met a lot of new people. Our boy, Peter May, he's been in town. Yep, Peter May, the genius. The Minnesota Flash. <laughs> yeah, I, he came over my house <laughs> on Sunday, and me and my wife were kind of grilling him on how the hell he can live in Minnesota. <laughs> We're just dumbfounded, like like we never came from a cold weather climate before. He's uh <laughs> he's the last of the uh the original Minnesota Timberwolves fans. Oh man. Big Canterbury guy, but uh but uh no, it was uh well night. Nice. He kinda made a little bit of a whirlwind tour. He came down here, he came to went to the pomp, he went to Tampa, then he went Finished off at Gulfstream yesterday and uh only thing couldn't rainstorm. do only thing couldn't do was better dog race. No, because they don't have them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Though there are some races lately that you know, you might be able to convince me that those are dogs competing. Puppies. We won't call any names or give any names out, but uh <laughs> it's it isn't quite the quality that we used to get. Uh, that's all I'll say. Yeah, that's that's undeniable for a lot of reasons. Yes, yes, that's true. Well, you got to see a uh, a a real live derby prep. Yeah, while you were over at Tampa, um. Wasn't nearly enough points. It should have been twenty-five. Churchill, yeah. it's time to change that. Ten points is ridiculous. In February, it just seems like you know that performance <laughs> is worth more than the points that it got. If that makes any sense, because the horse just kind of just dominated those easily. Didn't you know? And it's too bad that. Technically, if the horse doesn't win again, it might not make it in. Well, this year I think he's fine because yeah, it doesn't appear like <laughs> because you know, like fifty percent of the points haven't even been awarded because of uh, you know who. So I'm not really concerned about that. It just is the the horses in those races deserve more points. And I yeah. mean, it's 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 the beginning of February, right? I mean, we're, we're, we're within 90 days of the race. It's not like we're, <laughs> this isn't September, right? Like, yeah, they need to do something about that. It's, it's just, it's not fair. It just is, it's not, it's not helping. It would be better if they gave them a little point, the earlier points. I mean, look, look how many horses haven't even started yet this year. Huh. A lot. A lot. I'm telling you, it, it's and and I, I I'm sure that the next sixty days people get sick of hearing me saying it, but I hate the two race um, prep schedule for the Derby. There's a reason that Baffert wins the Derby a lot, and it's not just well because he gives them drugs or this or that. Runs because up. the horses they are run. are tested when they get there. Yeah. 
you're tested. Medina Spirit ran every month, once a month, but no one sees that. Everybody does, everyone treats it like it's it's a regular race, and it's not. It's not a normal race. Why can't connections get that through their head? You're never going to win it like this. Well, I mean, you might win it if everybody does it, and there's not, no one else left, right? But they treat it like you, you don't want to go into the race fresh. That's the biggest. It's never worked, okay? Like 140 years, it's never worked. So, like, <laughs> the freshness angle works when your horse is just the best horse or you're in a six-horse field like usual. But it's it's a very stressful race. It's a very stressful, you know, couple days for the horses on, on top of, you know, the actual race itself. There's so much action going on. There's so much buzz there. Um, the, you know, you just would be better, so much better off with a horse that's, that's a little bit battle tested. And, um, you know, I see so many horses that, that aren't and hmm. just, uh, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. It was just like, you know, I think it was last week or maybe even a week before <laughs> when they were talking about how Corniche isn't like off the derby trail. <laughs> uh, I used to tell you this, but uh, he is. Yeah. <laughs> He's off the derby trail. And hasn't run in 2022. Hasn't worked. Yeah. He's still on the farm, isn't he? Yes, and it wasn't as though I mean he's at Windstar Farm, which is basically like a training. I mean, it's a little training center. It's not like he's at, you know, standing in a field somewhere. But he he he's not that experienced. No, I mean, I think he has two turn two turn races. You know, it's like he's off the Derby Trail. They they may not think he's off the Derby Trail, but. How I don't see. Make- I don't. I don't see how he's going to make it on there. I mean, what, what are they going to do? Try the, 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 um, what was the horse that ran last year? That uh, soup and sandwich. No, nah, the other one. Helium. Helium. You know the <laughs> one. The one race in seven months prep into the Derby. That's not going to work. Not going to work. But anyways, I mean, it was a pretty, pretty strong performance by, by the the well. I guess one of the two remaining Giants Causeway, uh, the last crop of Giants Causeway, one of the classic yeah. Causeway. <clears throat> that would be interesting if he uh, becomes a, a major force in this Derby. Contingent, Just yeah, season alone. <laughs> True. Um, I bet him in the first, the first two future books at forty. I think forty-four to one and fifty-one to one. I did not partake this week at uh, twelve to one. Yeah, so I, I did. Fully so. <laughs> I did make a big bet on him in in the. Uh, 
the the contest that I, I'm in the oh el hombres el hombres contest so I, I I moved up a little bit I moved into the 20s sneaking up I'm creeping up now you can't creep up on on my man Vic Stauffer though Vic Stauffer is got a Vic Stauffer is like what, what was that horse that Mary Hartman trained uh, the the turf horse that went to the lead and opened up 20 <laughs> <laughs> That's how Vic Stalper is right now. He's so far ahead. It's ridiculous. And and it's funny because he put two entries in, in his other entry. I, I don't know that they've gotten on the board yet. But um, you know, he scored out early in the, the contest. And uh I mean these two preps this week to me were were tough. I mean, I, I thought that I thought that the the Lynch's horse was a, not a cinch, but I really thought he stood out in that field. And he did. He kind of did on paper. I, I don't think it was a great field. I think there was a lot of. Well, I think for Sam Davis, we get that a lot. We get a lot of horses that, that really, you know, they're they're kind of hoping that they're going to run a big race, and get on, you know, maybe get on the trail. But um, there was a lot of flawed horses going into that race, and um, a lot of hope. Yeah, that's yeah. that's how I feel about it. it but there just wasn't a lot of horses that are run fast before. I guess when it really comes down to it, uh, and 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 obviously you want your horse peaking ninety days from now, not today. But you still got to get there. And you know, good horses can run good all the time. They they don't need to be babied and and and, and uh, uh, you know, like um. Yeah, just timed right. They're just always fast. <laughs> right. I mean, they're just a good horse. They're good horses. And, you know, Lynch, Brian Lynch, he, um, he, he was training that horse hard coming into that race. He hadn't run since November. And he's working him at Palmetto's, you know, sharp five-eighths, uh, sharp three-quarters, the sharp seven-eighths. And, you know, he was the fastest horse on paper. Um, well, there was a horse on the outside. Matt Williams' horse has run a couple fours on the thoroughbreds. But um, but he's one of those horses where you think like that's probably the limit for that horse, right? He, he's probably Not achieved sure. his his because uh, he's run a lot. He's run a lot of different um, you know, uh, type of races. He's run on the grass. He's sprinted. He's gone long, one turn miles. So, uh, and he, he actually ran okay. I mean, he, he got <laughs> a, that horse got a really tough tough trip from the outside. Um, but um. Yeah, coming out of that race, I, I don't really know that I'd want anybody but the winner if you're considering. Um, I'm still Derby. okay with my pick in that in Golden Glider. I think he needed the experience. I was, you know, I, I think he benefited from from the trip he got. Uh, it wasn't that great, especially coming towards into the stretch. He he ran into a lot of traffic. And he still ran on pretty good to be fifth, I think he was. He didn't run bad, but he, he no. just has to get a lot faster. Yeah. And, I, I, and I, he, I, it's got to get a lot faster in a hurry. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the only problem with that. But I still I think I think that horse is gonna benefit a lot from that from that race. Whether where he shows up next, I don't know. I don't I don't gather maybe they'll show up in the Tampa Bay Derby. I'm sure the field is probably gonna be a little bit shorter. Not going to get twelve in there. That might help. You know what? You, you just never know. I mean, there's so many horses. You know, this year with without a standout, 
um, type horse. Well, there is... remember last year. Last year, everyone forgets a little bit, but Life is Good was the big favorite for the Derby this time of the year. I mean, he was he was just you know crushing in California, and uh, the horses in the East Coast were kind of taking turns beating each other up a little bit. But um, you know, obviously he got hurt and went to the shelf and going in going in a different direction. But but uh. I mean, there's no big, there, there's no standout. With the, all these Baffert horses keep winning, and of course they had the hearing today, and and um, you know nothing, <laughs> nothing, silence. I mean, it, it's it's got to be quite a conundrum for <laughs> for the connections involved with any of those horses that he has. I mean, how long do you sit and wait? And how do you know if you're actually, I mean, I would assume they're going to give them points if, if they go elsewhere, but can't be so sure that either. Well, the hearing was today. The The Kentucky Racing Commission has a a full meeting tomorrow afternoon. I'm sure that they will be going into executive session and the stewards... <laughs> Uh, we'll be discussing commission what their decision is going to be because obviously this this isn't just another race. It's just not a, another horse. It's just not another um, situation. To, to, despite people wanting to make it out like that, it just isn't. So, you know, when are we going to get a actual ruling from them? I don't know. And I was thinking about this today, and and the, I, I just think that, well, number one, the stewards are not lawyers; they're not judges. So, I mean, they're just regular people that have worked in the horse racing business. So it's 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 number one. It's tough to decide, or excuse me, tough to to really handicap what they've done I, you would just think and this is just me not having any insight at all to this just just knowing the people a little bit and in the situation you would think that they don't want to create a um a precedent and they don't want every time a big outfit gets a positive test to go through this right i mean this is kind of no, this is way beyond <laughs> big mess. So right. to me, I'm thinking that they're going to uphold the suspension because that's the by the book way of doing it. And, you know, the mitigating circumstances is really supposed to be about the penalty, not about um, whether the the uh, the horse was positive or not. The horse was positive. And despite the lawyers claims and despite all the 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 bots out there that that want to just buzz around and say no 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 it doesn't say that it, it nowhere does it state that um if you if this the, this drug was found in this horse's system over this level by way of a topical ointment it's okay it's not a positive that it doesn't say that because it specifies uh, a joint injection doesn't necessarily mean that it, it it doesn't mean that the positive is the positive is the positive um 
it's like if you were driving down the highway and you were going 55, excuse me, the, the speed limit was 55 and, and, and you had to speed up to go around the guy because, you know, he, he, uh, you thought maybe you were going to be in danger and you, you went up to 60 and the cop pulls you over. Well, you know, you're still probably going to get a ticket. So, I mean, if I were them, and, and this is, again, just conjecture on my part, I would I would uphold it. And I would say, you know what? If we uphold this, if we make the, the call, we disqualify the horse, he's going to bring this to an administrative judge. Well, an administrative judge is is um, a part of the the legal system. It's a it's obviously a judge. It's a lawyer. It, it it's a person that knows the law, and you know what? Let them handle it, because it just seems though it's going to wind up there. And, anyway, yeah, it seems like it's going that direction. Um, and if there was different connections on mandolin. Now, remember that that mandolin is owned by um, uh, what Judmont and Judmont's, you know, big benefactor uh, died last year. Um, I don't know that he would be one to or the company or the whoever is in charge is, is going to be someone that would file suit because technically. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to lawyers and 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 people who are racing regulators are going to look at these rules and say this horse should be the race the winner of the race and and I'm sure they don't want to win that way I I, I know that but had it been someone else there there is a good possibility that if it was overturned you know, they didn't disqualify the horse that the people who ran second would would be suing and that doesn't mean that the people who were third or fourth or fifth won't file suit either i mean it's possible in our society is one where um you know lawsuits are filed on a regular basis but well that's what uh what's his name uh ruiz did out for the san anita derby wasn't it yeah 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 and it's um, (laughs) you know those are judgment calls though and it's it's just it's it's just tough to um I mean, there's really never been a precedent case like this, right? That that I mean, I haven't seen anyone write anything about it. That doesn't mean it didn't happen, you know. We don't know of any other horses outside of Dancer's Image that ever tested positive in Kentucky Derby. And the Dancer's Image case went to court, and it took a couple years to get that resolved too. Um, but uh, but it does. It there's a lot of dominoes left to fall based upon what they. Uh, what they decide, but my gut tells me that they're going to uphold it because I think that one of the the tenets of their you know regulation is precedent, and I think that they're afraid that if they call a precedent that everybody is going to come at them every time they get a positive with some sort of mitigating circumstances. I'm just curious as to how these owners are going to deal with this are they just going to just resign to the fact that they're not going to run in the derby and just go to the preakness i don't know i mean i'm assuming that they're all waiting for this um this um this you know case to be 
adjudicated by the Kentucky Racing Commission. Yeah, but even if the commission does rule in favor, that doesn't mean that Churchill has to let him run, correct? No, not really. No, they don't. And and this is where I think that it gets really sticky, isn't that if, I mean, as of now, when Churchill made their decision to ban Baffert was 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 very, very quick. I mean, when you think about how, how long it takes to do anything in this business, <laughs> um, Churchill basically banned him, like, right away. Instantly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was not kind of a... There, there was not a whole lot of hemming and hawing on their part. So, um, it, it, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, if, if you really think about it, if, if they drop it, though, if they say, well, we're decided that it's not a, you know, it's, it, we're, we're not, we're going to uphold him, the, 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 the win, and we're going to um, ignore the, you know, I don't know. It just seems, it just seems like, I, I just feel like that's not going to happen. So, and there is the the issue that I, I'm almost positive that Baffert was on probation of sorts because of the gamine positives because they did not give him days for the gamine positive. He was he was given a fine only and disqualified. Right. So usually when you get the 365 day period where if you don't get any other violations um, in that state, then and you know the, the 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 probationary period's over, but this happened within that, that that window. So, and I haven't heard anyone talk about that. Um, it just uh, there's just so many dominoes that they're going to fall based upon what they rule, and you know, assuming they rule that they're going to uphold it. I don't know what kind of penalty they're going to give Baffert. They could, I guess, they could disqualify the horse and say mitigating circumstances um, say that we're not going to give him days, maybe. Or I don't know. I mean, like I said, right. it's kind of uncharted waters, but enough, you know, and be like, all right, well, we're just going to disqualify the horse, and that's it. <laughs> and you know, the interesting thing about the whole Naira issue with Baffert was that. Um, you recall they they said that what what their their ban wasn't given uh, a time frame, like Churchill said two years. It yeah. didn't say Naira didn't say they basically was were, were saying it's indefinite based upon what happens in the ruling at Churchill. So that's another factor. If if church or not Churchill, uh, the Racing Commission, if the Racing Commission, you know, doesn't uphold the the disqualification, well, I don't know where where does Naira stand. Naira's out of you know they have to concede and be like, all right, well, nothing we can do now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just, and then you know, uh, if. I'm trying to just go, you know, in my head through the scenarios. If they say, okay, well, we're upholding the DQ, we're giving Baffert 30 days. Um, well, obviously, Baffert's not going to just take the 30 days. Right. going to appeal. So, you know, the question would be, okay, uh, when Baffert, if he took the 30 days, does that mean um, he, <laughs> he he's, he's, he's allowed back after that? You know, 
I mean, I, that's a question that, uh, of course, no one's going to answer, but it, it's a question that's a viable question in that if, um, you know, the racing, if tomorrow, if, if the racing commission comes out and says, um, you know, we're, we're, we're not disqualifying the horse and, and we're not giving the guy days, what does Naira do then? Then they're in a tough spot, right? Um, I don't, I don't, I just, uh, it's just such a convoluted case and it's going on so long. And, and then, like you said, Barry, Churchill doesn't have to drop their ban if they don't want to. <laughs> this is such a mess. It's a mess. It's a mess. And, and the funny thing, well, it's not funny, but it's, it's, uh, one of the things that's difficult for our sport is that we don't have a go-to um, spokesperson, <laughs> right? We don't have that that person that um, when issues come up that can explain them. Because remember one thing, if you've heard from Bob Baffert's lawyers, how many times have you heard from people's lawyers in cases that absolutely positively are saying that their client was innocent and 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 you know <laughs> they they were completely railroaded and then um the you know the the case goes to the jury and and it takes 15 minutes to convict them right you're only getting Clark Brewster and and uh Craig uh, Robertson's view of the world you're not getting um the other sides because the Kentucky horse racing commission has, you know, said zero, nothing, zilch. Uh, and, and a lot of the, the rest of it is, is speculative. Um, so it's not like we're getting the full, you know, the, this side and that side we did in the, the Naira hearings, right? I mean, we heard Naira's case, they presented their case, they had their witnesses and, and then the Baffert, you know, of course defended himself and, and uh, brought up, you know, their, their, you know, what they thought were salient points. And it was kind of the only back and forth we really had where you got a little bit of a taste of both sides of, of the, of the argument where everything else has been, they've been doing everything they could to, to avoid <laughs> talking. Right. And, and it's, it's, you know, but, but on the Baffert side, you know, they've, the lawyers have, which is their job. I mean, this is their job mm. is to create public doubt, to try to pretend that the three stewards um, aren't affected in some ways by the news, to think that they don't read the news or they don't, they don't, you know, they're, they've completely recused themselves for what, uh, 10 months, nine months. It's come on. It's not, it's not, it, it didn't happen. There's, there's, you know, certainly they've they've read what what's going on. I, I have a hard time believing that that they don't you know they don't follow this in some way, shape, or form. It's very difficult to be in horse racing and not follow it in some way, shape, or form just because people around you talk about it. So, you know, may, maybe that seed has been planted. Maybe that was the whole you know purpose of doing these kind of things, but. You know, we'll, well, I guess we'll find out. We'll find out at some point, and then, <laughs> yeah, when when is that some point? If that's the... you know, I I was thinking about this in the future book the other day, and of course, it's a future book. It's a paramutual future book, so it's not like it could just take like two million dollars and bet on the all others. 
but all others that was sitting at like five to two for a while. And I said, if if this thing, you know, the floodgates open and Baffert gets an injunction or or something and, and all these prime derby prospects are allowed to race. I mean, you're you're gonna have you might have two or three of the favorites in the race at five to two. And I'm not saying five to two is a great price to take on any horse this not far out from a race, but if you got three of them or four of them. It's a it's a little bit of a a different story. I mean, and and like this year in particular, it, it wouldn't be if if ever we're gonna have a horse just come out of the clouds and appear out of nowhere, bang bang, they're ready. Uh, you know, the horse that was took three starts to break their maiden, and all of a sudden they they reel off two, three, four wins, and you know, or two, three, four races in a row, and this will be it. <laughs> Yeah, Echo Zulu worked again this morning. She's the best horse around right now. That was work number two. What a mess! Just a mess. And I hope, you know, I guess all I could do is hope, but it's just like after this is all over, and be like, well, how did we get here? You know, kind of like a a reflection, because they they could correct some things just by doing that if they really wanted to. Just reflect: yeah. how do we get here? How does how do we prevent this from happening again? Well, one thing is for sure: the Kentucky Racing Commission needs to clarify its <clears throat> rules. Well, yeah, that I I would figure that would be at the top of their list if they right. want to change things they, they've got to tighten up their the, the language they've got to specify um i mean they can't i guess you can't specify uh, what would be uh, a mitigating circumstance because there could be a million different things but it needs to be more specific as to uh, the language which would say that the medication found in the uh, the sample over X amount is a positive regardless of the delivery method, um, which would have, of course, made this a, a much more cut and dry case because they're not they're not disputing that the horse is over the level. Not anymore. No. <laughs> And and I that's that's what I just keep going back to is that there's a level the horse is over the level. It just seems like a big stretch to say no, we're not going to disqualify this horse, even though his sample was over the limit because uh, of of the delivery method. It just it it goes against everything that that I've been doing this since you know in this business since the, well, I don't even want tell you how long but a long long time ago and we've heard the poppy sea bagels excuse we've heard uh the peat and the straw and the funny thing about the bat for peat and the straw is he, he's just the first guy to say that on national television i mean that that excuse has been used before it's not like that's the first time that's ever been used and, and it's probably a valid one in some cases um there was a thing in the uh, a case in minnesota a few years ago that um 
trainer got a positive for like meth and <laughs> they they wound up uh testing the the help and and one of the guys was you know his blood was like 30 percent meth oh my god <laughs> i'm kind of being facetious there but you know what i mean and and that was uh that was brought up as as that mitigating circumstance but um that obviously wasn't the kentucky derby so so we'll see i mean that's again just kind of a wait and see attitude and i mean i'm tired of of talking about lawyers and stuff and i just wish it would be over so we could just talk about you know the usual uh stuff that we talk about but but it's hard this is a, a giant uh giant elephant in the room yeah and it, and it sucks because it, it puts everybody on edge in limbo you know for the time being you know usually by this time we're kind of figuring out the derby picture and now we're kind of on hold <laughs> until this shakes itself out which stinks you know i guess it would be a bigger indicator if owners were moving their horses from them they all right well this seems to be going this way and they're leaving the guy but they're not doing that so that creates more doubt for me you know thinking that hey maybe he might beat this case or something's going to happen or they're negotiating some sort of remedy that we don't know about um but yeah, like you said, it's it's the giant elephant in the room right now, as far as that goes. Especially when you see these derby preps coming up in the next few weeks, it's like, well, where are we going? What are we doing here? The the El Camino Real, even though last year, uh, my man Rombauer, yeah, and, yes, and, uh, won it pretty easily. What was a uh, was his prep for the Preakness? Um, it's it rarely. Uh, a derby prep that has a lot of consequence on the Kentucky Derby, especially. But uh, it was just kind of ironic the other day. I, I just got to laugh when when the the, the Baffert Maiden Breaker, who you know, who was a six hundred twenty five thousand dollars horse. It's funny because in that barn they can get like love lost in the in the shuffle, right? <laughs> when you most people have a six hundred twenty five thousand dollars uh, yearling that that breaks his maiden impressively. Horse. You know, it's like it, it moves ahead of the class over there. It's about his seventh best horse, but three-year-old, let alone horse. Um, but that was just kind of a bizarre race uh, all the way around. And it's, um, yeah, I mean, I it, was, it, it was an odd was. group, <laughs> to say the least. I don't know how that horse got up. I watched that replay a few times, and I was like, man. <laughs> Uh, he was relentless. Yeah, dug in. Um, Mr. Sadio had had quite of a quite a quite an adventure on 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 Doug O'Neill's uh, uh, horse in there. Um, the favorite, uh, McKinnon. Sadio uh, had that horse. <laughs> <laughs> in tight virtually the whole race race yeah but then he you know he kind of popped out of it and and and, and looked like he was home and, and then, i thought then, it, that, i thought he was gonna win 
you know, <laughs> Black Adder just just kind of ran him down, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's I don't know what to really make of it. I, I guess uh, you know, Black Adder gets a, a gold gets star, a, <laughs> gets a for the day a, a free ride to the preak. So I'm guessing that's on the agenda, but. Uh, you know, it was another case of no derby points, and and I don't think McKinnon is going to be racing on the dirt. So, though I, I the, the first thought I had about uh, Black Adder, which is the horse of Bafferts that won uh, the Quality Road Colt, and he's out of a pulpit mare. I mean, the horse is is bred to to go further and further and further. <clears throat> he has about fifteen thousand different owners, uh, oh. but. My first thought was, wow, that horse, they, they, they could, you know, I'd probably take a shot with him at the uh, the race of Turfway. What did I call it now? The Jeff Ruby, Jeff Ruby Stakes. Stakes. But then I was thinking, oh, no, he's banned from the Jeff Ruby Stakes because Turfway is owned by Churchill. <laughs> so, oh, shit. so he can't go there. I, I guess it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility for McKinnon to show up there. Um. Like I said, I, I don't know that McKinnon can really run much on the dirt, but he didn't run a bad race. He, he like I said, he was sawed off for about three quarters of the race. And uh, I mean, let's face it: the, the the Jeff Ruby Stakes is basically a it's like a uh, it's like a sidebar fifty point race, or, or is it a hundred point race? I think, I think it's a hundred point. Race. It's a hundred. Yeah, like. Because last year was on the same day as the Florida Derby. Like, how can that race be a 100-point race and the Sam Davis is a 10-point race? <laughs> it's absurd. I would take Classic Causeway in the Derby over any horse that runs in, in the Jeff Ruby Stakes <clears throat> if I was riding Classic Causeway. Hmm. I mean... It's a bold statement, sir. It's a scary statement. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's true. It's just um, it's just science. Science. I should play that song, Thomas Dolby. Oh, Breezy knows that song. She does. She blinded me with science. Yeah, she knows that song. Golden Gate looks like a nice track from like just the cameras. And Basically, stuff. it's beautiful. But uh, I've never been there. No, I haven't either. But I've seen a lot of pictures, and it's it's picturesque. And anybody I've talked to that that has ever gone, they love it there. So definitely gotta make my way up to the to the GG. There was a horse who prepped at Golden Gate and won the Breeders' Cup Classic. Do you know the horse? Probably, but this is this is my uh, the year would would the probably year was a long time ago. more of a help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if I give you the year, then you're gonna know the horse. Uh, I would say, you know, my first instinct is telling me tis now, but I don't think that's correct. Tis now is not correct. Oh, I'm wrong. Actually, it was Bay Meadows that the horse prepped at. Oh, Bay Meadows. Yep. 
The first winner of the Breeders' Cup Classic Wild again. Really? Prepped, prepped for the for the Kentucky Derby, for the Breeders' Cup Classic in allowance for Bay Meadows. And was lost. It, was it like a week before the race? Uh, it was two weeks before. See? It was. I knew it was a quick turnaround. Well, I mean, could you imagine these days? If you think about like when when you go back and you look at Wild Again's um, season that year, and it just is is like um, it could be like the poster campaign for how things have changed in this business, <laughs> um, where the, the horse that that started the year, um, you know, he, he was a three year old. Um, and he was a, 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 you know, he, he, he showed a little bit as a two-year-old, but then he had a year off and he didn't race back. He, he ran in Norfolk stake at Santa Anita, uh, the day before Halloween, 1982. Then he didn't race again for another <laughs> a year, 12 months. He didn't race again until 1222 at Hollywood, 1983 as a three-year-old. So he only had one star as a three-year-old. But he started on January 21st at Santa Anita in an allowance race, 4th. Uh, February 5th in an allowance race at Santa Anita, where he won. Uh, February 20th at Santa Anita in an allowance race, where he finished 3rd. March 2nd in an allowance race at Santa Anita, which he won. Then he shipped uh, 16 days later to the fairgrounds, and he won the New Orleans <laughs> Handicap which was a grade two at the time, he uh, wheeled back um, April 7th in the Razorback handicap at Oaklawn and ran poorly, ran, ran eighth. Then he came back 13 days after that, and this is crazy when you think the the Razorback was, was held 13 days before the Oaklawn Park handicap, but he won the Oaklawn Park handicap huh. uh, on April 20th, 420. So that was his... First, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh start of the year in the Oaklawn handicap. Uh, he followed it up. He, he got a break. He didn't run again until May 14th uh, at Belmont in an allowance race. Now, remember, he just won the grade two Oaklawn Park handicap. He comes back in an allowance race lost. at Belmont. Not only lost, didn't hit the board, finished fourth. <laughs> <laughs> right? So then he goes to Monmouth. Uh, and this time he gets a long break. He goes from May 14th to, to June 23rd. Oh, boy. And he finished second in an allowance race at Monmouth. What was in these allowance races? They 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 wheel him back two weeks later in a Suburban at Belmont, and he finishes third. Suburban was a grade one back then. Um, uh, 24 days later, he shipped to Axarben to run in the... Uh, the Cornhusker, where he finishes third. He comes back <laughs> August 11th, runs in the Arlington Handicap at Arlington, obviously, and finishes sixth. Comes back a week later at Monmouth in the Grade 1 Monmouth Handicap, which I think is now... Um, I think the Monmouth Handicap is... is uh, Well, it's not the Haskell. It was the, 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 the Armory... Um, well, I don't even think they run anymore. But anyways, he finished fourth in that race in his uh, 
at Monmouth uh, on, on August 18th. On September 3rd, two weeks later, at the Meadowlands, he wins the Meadowlands Cup, which is a grade one. That's so strange. I mean, he's got a lot of frequent flyer miles, too. Right. So he wins a grade one. Now, he's already done this trick of, <laughs> of winning a graded stake and coming back and getting beaten in an allowance race. Right. Well, he wins the grade one September 3rd at the Meadowlands. He runs back at Bay Meadows on the other side of the country on October 29th. Now, these days... Um, a, a layoff, a seven, eight, eight week layoff is like nothing, right? It's normal. Like horses with seven week layoffs is, is kind of like par for the course. Back then it wasn't. So he runs at Bay Meadows and he finishes third in an allowance <laughs> race. Now he like, just oh, won yeah, grade he's, one. He's ready for that. British and they, <laughs> they, they, they bring him back 14 days later. Run him in, the, in the, the richest race ever run at that time, and uh, and he wins it at thirty to one. And th and then again, and then comes back two day, two weeks later. No, he doesn't run again till July. Now I had heard that they took out so much money out of Hollywood Park that they had a a big brown paper bag full of cash. Okay. Um. He comes back the following year, and he, and he really was never that he was never good anymore after that. But uh, he doesn't run till July at Belmont, and he runs an allowance race. Yes, <laughs> and he finishes second. Hating <laughs> yeah. this horse. Yeah, and then he comes back at an allowance at Saratoga, and he, he finished eighth. They ran him back at Belmont in the fall in an allowance. He finished second, and then they tried him one. His swan song was the Meadowlands Cup, and uh, which was held in October this this year, nineteen eighty-five, and and he finished second, and that was his last race before he went to stud. But I mean, could you imagine? Could you imagine if if life is go? If Pletcher said <laughs> we're running an allowance race next week at Gulfstream, <laughs> right? And, and and he lost. Oh man, they they would never they they'd lay him off for six months. People Even if he was, wanna... people would like they'd, they'd be threatening Todd's life. <laughs> but this horse won greatest stake races. He won a Grade One. He came back. He ran an allowance race. What kind of allowance races did they have? You know, right? That that this horse is losing. Non-winners of a Grade One twice. Well, maybe you know? he maybe he was just one of those horses that kind of ran to his competition, like. He was in with bums. He that or he was the greatest bet, the greatest setup betting horse of all time. That's also possible. Just uh, it's just wow. crazy though to think, and that's, I mean, I was there, right? I mean, I was there for this. This was like, you know, I wasn't old. I was young. I was just a kid, but, but I remember it, and like. Even now, sometimes you forget how frequently horses raced. Dude, I remember back then in in that era when, you know, it felt like, you know, when they used to do the CBS broadcast with Jimmy the Greek and Brent Musburger and all that, it felt like Slew of Gold ran every two weeks. I don't it know if that's... Kinda, a, it kind of did. I mean... 
but I mean, it just felt like it because they were on every every Saturday on the you know CBS Sports Saturday Super Saturday, and I felt like Slew Gold ran every time they were on TV. <laughs> um, it, it's 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 nutty, but it's like, um, well, he, here's the schedule. This is the schedule. Now remember, in the Belmont Fall Championship meet, they ran. The Woodward, the Marble Jockey Club, Club Gold Cup, and the Marlboro Cup before, uh, I, I think the last oh, Marlboro in the same Cup month, was, right? I th- yeah, I think that that was the last year they ran the Marlboro Cup when, when Slew Gold won. But the Woodward was run on um, that year the Slew Gold ran in it as a four-year-old, was run on September 15th. The Marlboro Cup was run two weeks later. <laughs> On September 29th, and the Jockey Club Gold Cup was run three weeks later uh, on on October 20th, and that was three weeks before the Breeders' Cup Classic. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so four preps, so, <laughs> three preps. So, uh, within within you know be- between the day the, the Woodward. And the Marlboro, or the between the Woodward the Marlboro Cup, the Jockey Club Gold Cup, and, and the Breeders' Cup Classic, it was sixty days. The horse ran four times. <laughs> so gangster. <laughs> you know, it's like just almost foreign, and, and 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 you know, for the people that have got into the game recently, or hell, in the last twenty or so years, uh, when I first started training, and this is like nineteen ninety nine, two thousand. This wasn't like nineteen fifty. It was not unusual to wheel horses back in two weeks. It was not unusual at all. The maybe the top horses, not so much, but like claiming horses, we would run them back in two weeks a lot. Um, yeah, that's but, how you know. I remember back in the day, you used to get horses in the shortened uh, Saratoga meet that would win three or four times. Sure, there, there there's no doubt. Of, I mean, you um. If you had a horse that liked the track there, uh, <clears throat> you know, a horse like uh, Quick Call, the great Quick Call. Um, do you know who Quick Call's rider was his last from his last race? So Jose Santos? No, sir. Little down the, not, not quite up so high in the, 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 the pantheon. I mean, this is an impossible question, but uh, Aaron Grider. Ag, <laughs> Aaron Grider. Who, who? Uh, if you think about it, that was that was a long time ago. That was. Uh, yeah, it was still right. Cole's last start was 1992, so 30 years ago. Um, but a horse like Quick Call loved Saratoga, and he was uh, he was just so much better there than everywhere else for whatever reason. I mean, they would try to race them three or four times a year there, and that's when the meet was was short. It was, was a, mo- a month. A month. 30, it was August max. Yeah. Um. And they they always they tried to get three starts out of him. I'm just going back and 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 it wasn't though. Is it wasn't as though he he didn't win races other places. He did win. Uh, he won the Tom Fool at Belmont. Um, but he just was was really good at uh 
uh, at Belmont, or excuse me, at Saratoga. But uh, yeah, just the way horses are campaigned is so much different. Like here, this one year, nineteen eighty nine, uh, the year of Easy Gore and, Sarat and uh, Sunday Silence. Quick Call ran in Saratoga on August fifth, August twelfth, and August twentieth. There you go. All W's, right? And the the, the, uh, the second uh, in the Off Phenomenon. Um, before it was uh, a greatest stake. Uh, he won a handicap on the a week later, and eight days later he won the Forgo, which was grade two back then. But uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, and and then he came back. He, he went down to Belmont, and on September second he ran into Boojum. On September 9th, tenth uh, he ran in an allowance race. He won, and on September twenty ninth he ran in allowance race. And on October 7th, he, he finished second in the Kelso. Uh, before he, two weeks later, he ran in the, the Philadelphia Budweiser uh, <laughs> Reader's Cup and finished second. And then uh, he ran uh, two weeks later at the, in the Breeders' Cup Mile at Gulfstream Park, uh, which I think, yeah, 1989 was Lure. Yes. So he was among those that got blitzed by Lure that day. Uh, and, and, like, you know, he must have come out of it good because uh, twenty three weeks later they ran him back at Aqueduct in the in the sprint in the four page. <laughs> it's it's just almost comical when you look at it now. When you when you hear horses need, you know, no offense, but you know, I mean, I, I know Flightlines is a really talented horse, but I mean, we, we could be looking at him having run three times. And I know he's not the standard, right? That's not the standard. Horses run more than three times. But still, it's like, man. That's wild. <laughs> Quick call. As a three-year-old ran 18 times, as a four-year-old ran 15 times, as a five-year-old ran 13 times, as a six-year-old ran 13 times, as a seven-year-old ran 14 times. <laughs> then he got a little old and he only ran... Uh, Nine. Eight times as as last year. <laughs> Nuts, right? I mean, just just uh, just crazy. But like you, you know, you, you said before, you know, if they're good and they're fast, they're gonna run that way. <laughs> Alan Jerkins once said, uh, "I remember." Um, a trainer, I'm not going to say who it was because I like him, had a horse that ran a, a, a really impressive race early in the season, three-year-olds. And then he said something to the effect of, oh, he ran really good, so we're going to give him a lot of time. <laughs> and I remember, I remember the chief said, he goes, that's just like the exact opposite of how I, I've, I've trained horses my whole life. He goes, when we had a horse that was in good form, we would try to run him more. He goes, that's the one thing that's changed more than anything. In that, as soon as the horse runs good now, now guys don't want to run him back. He goes, they want to give him, you know, all this time. He goes, we were, we were like trying to find more races for him because we said, man, the horse is doing really great, and and uh, you know, we want to want to strike while the iron's hot. And uh, that philosophy, when you go back and you look at the the, the charts, um, it it 
it was true. I mean, that that's how that's how horses were campaigned. I remember a few years back, probably about seven or eight years ago, when um, Dutra ran Willie Beeman back in seven days, and they thought he was like a miracle worker. I think it was like four days, wasn't it? Like four it was days, less than seven days. Yeah, but I mean, it, it just falls in line with what we were just saying. The, the horse got good fast, and they they tried to find a race for him. <laughs> it ended up being a grade one. I had a real fat horse one time. <laughs> he was just kind of lazy, and I remember I I, I didn't think he was. He was like a super talented horse, but he always acted like he had more to give, right? I mean, he just was one of those type of horses. And, you know, you try blinkers, you try training different, you try different, um, you know, you try, uh, you know, may- maybe blowing them out closer to the race or uh, short works, more short, quick works, or, you know, as opposed to long works and, keeping them fresh. I mean, there's just so many things you can try and a lot of times it just doesn't do any good. And, and I just remember saying to the owner, I said, listen, I know this sounds a little crazy, but I'm just going to keep running him like every week, 10 days. And I said, he doesn't really put that much effort in. He's sound, which, you know, partly because probably he didn't put much effort in. <laughs> um, and I ran him and I ran him and I ran him. And I think I ran him like three times in four weeks. And the damnedest thing is he, he got better. Like his third race was his best race. And then we had to give him some time off. I mean, I couldn't, you couldn't just keep doing that. You couldn't just race him like he's a trotter, right? I mean, <laughs> those horses, they can run 35, 45 times a year. And and, and even trotters don't race, race or pacers. They, they don't race quite as much as they used to either. Um, But, uh, he did. He did get better. I mean, he his his every race he got a little bit better. And um, he may wasn't a great horse. I think he broke his maiden for maiden fifteen, made seventeen five, something like that. But he just needed literally to be raced into shape because he wouldn't. You couldn't get much out of him in the morning, and he just wasn't trying that hard. So I was like, screw him. I'm just gonna keep putting him back in. We're, we're gonna just race him into shape, and and it and it worked. But, um, you know, a lot of horses you couldn't do that with just because of soundness. And there's other horses that if you try to do that, it would blow their mind, right? They, The horses that get so hyped up for the race that they, they just need to have a little downtime after a race just to kind of, you know, get gather themselves and get them more than not running around their stall and trying to kill the goats. And, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, and the horses are different. They have different kind of... Um, they're wired strangely. Yeah, and it's just uh, like I said, you couldn't do it with every horse, but you, there were some I, I think would would do better. You see, you see some of these big heavy horses, and some of them I think would just do better with racing as opposed to to training, 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 training. And I, and I mentioned earlier, I really liked what Brian Lynch had done with with um, uh, classic contender, whatever his name is. You know, he, he wasn't, he, he turned the screws up and, and he, you know, he had him ready. I mean, the horse ran a huge race and 
I know a lot of people might be naysayers. Oh, well, geez, what will happen next race? Well, 90% of the horses on the Triple Crown Trail, like, turn out to be, like, you know. Duds. Yeah. Like, isn't it nice to win races? I mean, it's not like Brian's got, he's got a nice barn, but he doesn't have, you know, 42 colts every year that are pointed to the Triple Crown, and he can just take it. You know, oh, it's not a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a big deal to most trainers to win these, these type of races. It's, you know, it's it's a it's a good thing. And like I said, Brian's not, he's not a small trainer. He's got a a nice group of horses. He's got good owners. He wins a lot of races, but he hasn't been, you know, a guy that's that's been fortunate enough to win those type of races. But it's it's nice to do it when right when when uh, when when the opportunity presents itself. So. You know, it's just another point where a good trainer can can train a horse. It's, it doesn't have to be just Baffert. But I, I will say, I will give Baffert credit in that his horses do not, he does not run short horses. No. It's rare you see a horse he runs short. And he has the luxury of being able to train them hard. And I'm sure that there's, you know, I'm sure there's people say, yeah, because he's giving them drugs and he can cycle them. And maybe he can. I don't know. But all I know is the result is that he trains his horses harder and he races them harder and it works. And it's kind of surprising to me that other guys haven't tried that on this, um, it, for this particular race, this particular race. And and we talked about it last year mm-hmm. and it's, it's still a valid point. Though it, the the triple crown trail looks a little bit different when you have to, you know, white out those first horses off your your top ten list, right? It looks a whole lot different, and and um, you know, the horse that won the the Holy Bull, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be a a, a Florida Derby into the Kentucky Derby, three races and 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 seven months and. Uh, I mean, I I don't think that's going to work. I'm I almost guarantee it wouldn't work. It hasn't worked for a while. No. So, but uh, but you know, and and the the trainer's comments was you know he runs well fresh. Yeah, he w- does, but he won't run fresh. He won't well run. He won't run well fresh in the Kentucky Derby. I can almost guarantee you that. No, it's why <laughs> because there's been a thousand horses that have tried it, and none of them have been able to do it. So, um, you mentioned Echo Zulu. She has two starts. Uh, excuse me, two works back. And again, this is the year if you're going to take a shot. Take it. I don't know that you're going to need any points to get in this Kentucky Derby. That's what people are saying. I've, I've heard that several times. <clears throat> I mean, isn't there a good chance that Baffert could go to Oakland and win all those races? Absolutely. I think he's going to try to. So when he wins, though, if he, I should say, if he wins the California ones, if he wins the Oakland ones. Right. Everybody has uh, 10 points. I, I know the, the Withers outside of the winner, and, and the winner is, is uh, of the Withers is, um you know, the horse of Chad Brown's. He'd only run twice. And, he ran them off their feet the other day, and, and he did run. You know, he did set a super solid pace, but 
I mean, forget the rest of those. I don't see anything in New York really being scary. And and you, you start saying, well, you know, if Baffert just erases all these points. <laughs> then what? Yeah, I, I think that, I mean, in, in his shoes, that's probably the best thing he could do is just win all these preps. Just win them all. Yeah, yeah pressure on him and it'll make that story even more interesting <laughs> if he wins those races if he sweeps <laughs> the races at Oban it'd be insane and he has a good chance to do it really? hey listen not to go back to the Baffert uh, you know uh, hearing but Church of Downs banned it for two years right <laughs> so if they uphold that that disqualification, then that's going to go to court and that's going to take a long time. And, and we could be doing this next year. We could be doing this next year. Oh, it's so messy. Um, well, I mean, he, he's got a really nice Philly too. That, yep. uh, um, that, uh, Somebody needs to run, step up. So right now, who who would be the favorite? Messier, right? If all things were in a vacuum, Messier would be the favorite. Hey guys, I wanted to make you aware of a new company that's out there making some really cool apparel and other swag. Fantac. www.fan-tac.com. Check it out. They've created a bunch of logos and stuff for uh, an expanding list of jockeys. And they also are doing some going in circles swag. So if you want any uh, t-shirts or hats, hoodies, and cell phone covers, check it out. Fantac, F-A-N-T-A-C-K. Better than- the no chalk zone sniper. Yeah. No chalk zone. Uh, the Knicks got beat by a team that's trying to lose. Which one? There's a several. Uh, Oklahoma City. Okay. 
Yeah, they're definitely trying to lose. Yes, they defeated them in overtime. So not only did they lose, they kind of lost twice, right? They they lost. Yeah. <laughs> they, they they had two chances to win and they they lost. So it'll it'll make Mister Milkowski un, unhappy. He'll be happy to win because he can make fun of me, but the Knicks should just tank. Um. Saturday there's a really nice card at the fairgrounds. Um, it's one of those uh, those all night affairs. I think of thirteen, fifteen races, thirteen, thirteen, only thirteen. Now let's not get carried away. Just thirteen. Uh, that's what happens when you get you put lights in. You can do this kind of thing, but um, you're talking full fields and pretty competitive fields. Um, throughout the day it's it's a it's a good card i mean it starts out with louisiana bread maidens and you know your guess is as good as mine but um uh, rosario mr rosario fresh off his eclipse victory will be there riding mr saez will be there uh along with uh mr gafflione uh ortiz uh, jose ortiz is, is in town um but they split up the Ortiz brothers, which will make people happy. Free for uh, all at, at Gulfstream, then, huh? Yeah, to go along with, uh, yeah, Gulfstream will be uh, <laughs> wild. My man Marcos Manessas will be getting some live mounts on on Saturday at the Gulf. Uh, but uh, you know, to go along with the the, the fairgrounds regulars, Frenchie and uh, uh, Junior Junior Alvarado shows up over there as well. Um, with Brian Hernandez, Graham, uh, the usual, like I said, the usual suspects are there, but uh, Ray Lou, Ray Lou, uh, I don't think Ray Lou named on a lot. I don't think Ray Lou's named on, on any. I think Ray Lou might be riding. Oh, no, there, there he is. He's riding uh, title ready. Um, but um, I mean, no, it's a good card, uh, you know, all the way through. They like I said, they start out with the Louisiana bred maiden race, but then they bump right into a couple, uh, three maiden races in a row. Uh, one for three-year-old Phillies going three quarters, one maiden race on the turf, uh, going uh, a 10-horse field. And then they they have a, another 10-horse field of, of three-year-old boys going three quarters. Okay. Follow that up. The fifth race is a, is a mile on the turf. Uh, allowance race. Just to make sure everyone's paying attention, Mr. Dorchenko's got one in there. Um, <laughs> the the fifth, or excuse me, the sixth is a, another three-year-old race. This this is a mile and a sixteenth on the dirt, uh, which is a race that we don't see very often. No, two-turn uh, maiden races on the dirt, but it's it's got a, a full field of ten, and um, you know the 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 guys with the the big names are in there. Um, the stakes action kicks off the seventh race at the Colonel Power. Just Might, Cowan. Um, it's a good race. Yeah. Yep. Um, hopefully Michelle Lovell doesn't get DQ'd this time. Uh, the the eighth race is um, an allowance race. Three-year-old A other than a mile and a sixteenth on the, uh, on the dirt as well. It's got... Uh, Ten horses, nine nine betting interests, as uh, the Windstar group is 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 coupled. Um, the Alstall 
senior memorial because Al Stoll Jr. has not left us. Uh, mile 16th on the turf as a 10 horse field. The 10th race, the Mineshaft Stakes, grade three, mile 16th, uh, has 11, including Miles D, the rare Chad Brown shipper to, to Fairgrounds. Miles D, I think, is prepping for Dubai. Uh, <laughs> I believe that was the plan. Uh, Olympiad shows up there, title ready, jumps back in from the uh, the um, Pegasus. Yeah. Pegasus. Uh, Obezos, Greg Foley. And a stretch out here uh, untreated mr pletcher tries tries him um the 11th is the fairground stakes grade three mile and an eighth on the turf that's got 11 uh, largent appears there um the 12th is the rachel alexander stakes uh three-year-old Phillies, which is a points race for the Kentucky Oaks. That's got a full field of 11, um, including, you know, some familiar names from, from last uh, last fall. California Angel shows up there on the dirt. Oh, yeah. Uh, Hidden Connection drew post 11, um, which is not, you know, Ray, Ray Lou's got some work to do from out there. Um, Dream Lith is in there. North Country, La Crete, who's the horse that beat me last time frustratingly enough but, uh, she's drawn the rail with Joel Rosario and they finished the race out or the race card out with the, the Risen Star um, three year old prep race for the Kentucky Derby Mr. Baffert won't be winning this because he doesn't have it he has no entries in this but it's uh, the Risen Star is the mile and an eighth and it got a full a full field of ten uh, including uh, some shippers. Uh, Zandon ships in for Chad Brown. Slowdown Andy ships in from the West Coast for Doug O'Neill. Smile Happy, who uh, was, I think, the, la- the 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 favorite in the last round of uh, yep. Derby Preps. He, Mr. McPeak's got him. He drew post eight. Um, Trafalgar's looking to make up for his, his last... Uh, his last race over at uh, at the fairgrounds in the Lecompte where he kind of didn't show up. Pop, Papa Cap is in there. Um, we don't get the re- the, the, the Compte winner. The, the Sormo has, has chose to skip this one. but uh, and, and Mr. Dorchenko's in there as well with the Russian Tank, which is uh, aptly named for this. Great week. name. Considering, uh, you know, the tanks might be rolling in, over there in the Ukraine soon. But uh, it's a it's it's a solid field. I mean, there's you know some legitimate horses in there, and um, <clears throat> post time for that race is is ten five five fifty eight central, so about seven o'clock on the east coast. But uh, I mean, this is the kind of card that people want to bet. I mean, uh, we got 10, 11, 11, 11, 10, 10, 8, 10, 12, 10, 10. Nine ten, like we were talking about the throwback days earlier. This is kind of a throwback card. This is uh, it's nice to see, um, full fields. And I gotta admit that uh, I'm not exactly a a fairgrounds uh, expert, <laughs> <laughs> putting it mildly. But um, 
Got to give it a whirl. You got to check these. Yeah, you got to check this card out. And uh, they draw early. I mean, they draw. Louisiana draws Didn't way they earlier than everybody Monday? else. Um, yeah, they drew, I think, Sunday. Yeah. Or Monday. Oh, I think they drew yesterday. So, um, or I think they might have drawn. They might have drawn seven days out. They might have drawn seven. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was seven. Yeah. It's 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 a it's. I mean, in some cases, sometimes it's a little too long. <laughs> gives you a little too much time. I mean, there's a lot of things that can happen in between then and now. But uh, but for our purposes, it it it's nice to be able to get a good look at these races, um, in advance, not have to to wait till late. But but uh, again, if you can't get excited about betting on this card, then I don't know. I cannot help you because this is uh this is pretty good. And and it doesn't look like there's a whole lot of three to five shots in here either. Well that's good. That's really good. Peak my interest because I usually don't play fairgrounds much. No, I, I gotta admit that I, I don't play it very often, but um you know the the Risen Star is part of the the um Oh, the contest, right? The contest, so. So points are on the line. And you just got to kind of match, match Vic Stoffer's energy. Get a 15 to 1 shot. Now, Vic is, like I said, Vic is, in, he's he's a long way. Precious passion. Vic's the precious passion of the, of the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> of 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 the the tour this year, he's he's way out in front. But I guess that's how you got to win these tournaments, right? You got to you got to bang out a big number, and and you can't just nickel and dime. You gotta you gotta try to make a score. I guess that's like the the big handicapping tournaments, right? I mean, you can't go over there and just bet uh, chalk. The chalk can't chalk out. Never works out. No, we're we're against chalk. Chalk is just chalk. Chalk is chalk. We it's, don't want chalk. They get in the way. Chalk gets in the way. It does. That it does. Um. So that's kind of the big, uh, the big card for the weekend. Uh, looks like New York is going to be all right. The weather, I know there today was terribly cold, but um, yeah, it's supposed to be in the 50s and 60s by the end of the week. So <laughs> if everyone's not definitely <laughs> ill from the temperature changes, I wanted to, I wanted to just turn the heat to 90. It was 56 today. It was, it was, it was, I'm not gonna lie, it was a little bit chilly today. You know, down here in the, the Southland, we, 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 right now we're looking at, at 59. That's not cool. Tomorrow the high is supposed to be 67, but you know what? By the weekend, it's gonna be back to the 80s. Back to 80. Uh, it is supposed to, we are supposed to get some showers on Wednesday and maybe Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh oh, Washington. So, we might be looking out of a lot of tapioca this weekend. That's good with the guys out of town. The, the out of town 
B-team jockeys riding on the tapioca, man. It's chaos. Pure that's your, chaos. That's, if, you're, if you're a chaos player. That's what I want. Gulfstream might be for you this weekend. But um, but that's about it, man. I ain't got much else today. No, it was actually kind of quiet. Knock on wood. Yeah, not a whole lot was going on this weekend. It's you know the Tampa races and no Twitter fights. It's just it's like me. No, the Super Bowl, of course. You know we had the. I Super think Bowl. I went over from the Super Bowl. It was that was today? That's why it was quiet. Maybe. It was it was it was rare to see such a consensus on the halftime show. Oh Generally, man, I saw know. a couple of naysayers. <laughs> yeah, they're mostly just racist people. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's call let's call it what it is, you know. Um, no lies detected, sir. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. This is free country. You want to be racist? Go right ahead. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was it was, you know, it wasn't like probably what they would use as as an example of uh, you know classic offensive football, right? <laughs> <laughs> but um. I mean, the game, of course, came down to the last seconds and or last, you know, couple minutes. And I, I looked up and I was like, "Man, Stafford's back there. He's got all white boys as wide receivers, man." Like uh, Cooper Cup is nasty, bro. You don't see that happen very much. Like everybody got hurt, <laughs> you know. And Cooper Cup is nasty. Cooper Cup is a beast. It's crazy that those guys like him and Wes Welker and and Edelman and they they. Uh, they just get open, you know, like, like Tyreek Hill's little, he's small, but he's fast, right? I mean, he's like blazing fast, but like guys like those guys, they, they don't have the measurables. Uh, someone today on Twitter put Cooper cups, um, uh, his, his high jump, his 40, his, his, uh, his first 10, uh, all the, the measurables that they get at the combine and they combine it to Aaron Donald's who, who's like. 85 pounds heavier and they were about exactly the same they but they jumped the same height they they ran as fast but one guy's a defensive tackle and the other guy's a wide receiver and he he just gets open and he doesn't drop the ball yeah i mean that's the belichick uh you know i mean I'm, wes welker played for the dolphins and he was basically a kick returner and then he went to the patriots and all of a sudden he's catching 127 passes a year and you'd say to yourself hold on that's the guy that used to be our punt returner. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's he's like five eleven or five ten, and and say, you know, quick, but not like you know, like how how does he how does he get open? But but Cooper Cup gets open, man. He just gets open and he and he doesn't drop the ball. And he got lit up in the end yeah, on did. that play that they oh, man they, he got he got hit hard. Yeah, I I was thinking I was sitting there watching thinking man. That's almost unfair that that's offsetting penalties because one guy got got his head taken off and the other guy like like had his I think he was gonna... finger in the guy's in the guy's jersey for hold for holding. But um, uh, listen, there, there was the the call at the end of the game was, was it seemed like it was a ticky tack bullshit call. It was, but Cincinnati also got away with the blatant offensive pass interference that led to a touchdown too. Oh yeah, so, the helmet. It kind of evened out, but I mean, people always remember the last call, right? But in the end, it's it was an entertaining game. And like I said, yep. halftime, halftime was was on point, man. 
kind of tied it together because, the, like you said, the football play wasn't all that great the whole game. But it was entertaining enough to where, you know, you were engaged and, and the game was kind of close. So, well, you know what I think helped, Barry? They hardly called any penalties. True. It, there, there was hardly any stoppages. Like, yeah. If you think about it, like offenses a lot of times will get bailed out. How many times do you think you're watching a game and a team gets bailed out on third and long defensive yeah. holding automatic first down or pass interference or or something like that or, or vice versa? A big play goes, you know, they go for 50 yards and it gets called back because of holding. I mean, there just weren't many penalties called. And I, I don't know enough about football. I, I'm not a. You know, well, I mean, I, I don't know enough, Barry, to look at the game and say, well, oh, they were missing a lot of calls or, oh, they weren't missing a lot of calls. They're letting them play. But that's, <laughs> you know, that brand of football is so much better than than when they just call penalties after penalties. And yeah, like these are obviously two teams that made it. So they're well coached. They're disciplined. I mean, they, they, they don't make, you know, that more mistakes than you know, the teams that stink, but, uh, but it was, it was, you know, I just wish, you know, you see this, I guess, and, you know, we bitch about it in the, in the Derby and the Breeders Cup a little bit and, uh, the good seats cost so much money and like to go to a Super Bowl, my, my brother and I went, Ten G's. we went one year, my dad got us tickets because he knew somebody who worked for the Redskins before this Cretan owned them. And um, he got us tickets. We were on about the 10-yard line, about 20 seats up. Me and my brother went. They, uh, it was the year that it was in Miami, the year uh, San Francisco beat the Chargers. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Steve Young. Steve Young got the monkey off his back. Um, and it was a great experience. I mean, we had a great time. And, I mean, like I said, it's so expensive now. But if you get the opportunity to go... Go. It's like it's it's go yeah it's, it's just like the Kentucky Derby if you've never been there go and just go I mean it's an experience that's difficult to replicate in any other form forum right it's just you go to Saratoga Saratoga's great you go to Keeneland Keeneland's great you go to um you know Santa Anita or Gulfstream or any of these places and on a big day and it's 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 fine but the Kentucky Derby it's like totally different. And, uh, I mean, I always tell people to go, go and, and have at least one time experience it. Um, you know, I, I brought my mom and dad, this has got to be, uh, five, six years ago to a, a, a big time boxing match at Madison Square Garden. And, um, I said, you gotta go, you know, it's just, it's hard to describe it's just different. Like they get this energy and, and, and boxing goes fast. That's the thing that that's different than other sports like boxing. Well, it doesn't go as fast as MMA, but I don't, I can't tell who's good in MMA and who's not good, but, <laughs> but you know, boxing goes, you, you got 12, three minute rounds and you got a minute in between. So 45 minutes <laughs> in and out the door. And yeah, it takes time between fights and the guys, you know, let go and, uh, you know the the ring walks and all that stuff, but that's part of the whole um, atmosphere. And I said, if you've never been to like a big time fight in like Madison Square Garden or or Vegas, because I've been in Vegas and it's it's just the whole town is just on. There's an energy there, right? And it's just kind of um, 
and, and it builds up to a crescendo, right? Because you have the undercard bouts, and then the bouts get a little better and a little better. And if, if you have a decent undercard, usually the fight before is a good fight. It might be a championship fight or a lesser belt or something. And then you get to the big fight, and, and you know, it's it's just different. And uh, like Hong Kong, if you ever get a chance to go to Hong Kong, um, it's just a, an amazing experience. I've heard Japan, uh, the big courses in Japan, same thing. Or go to Ascot or Newmarket or, or um, you know, Dubai if your political preferences allow you to do that. It's just, uh, you know, there's there's still so many great events out there that, um, it, it and it's just sad that they've gotten so expensive. I mean, like Super Bowl in the door tickets were like thirty five hundred dollars, and that's talking. You're talking about the nosebleeds. Yeah. So. But it was, uh, you know, it was it was interesting, and I and I was, again, I'm not a football expert by any any means, but I think a lot of teams are probably sitting back and saying, "We're as good as those teams," <laughs> you know, <laughs> like like you know, if, if we get a little better, we we you know we we get a little better in this area or that area, we pick up one guy and we we can we can beat those teams because. I mean, I don't think either of those teams strikes the fear in anybody's heart. So, no. I mean, Cincinnati last year, Cincinnati stunk. Miami beat the crap out of them here last year. It was after Burrow got hurt, but I mean, it, it wasn't particularly close. But I mean, to think that next year they'd be in the Super Bowl and almost win it. It's just, uh, it goes to show you how quick the teams can just kind of reload. Yes. Yeah. It usually takes, you know, a couple of key players on either side of the ball and you're, you're in business. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be kind of interesting. <clears throat> see how a lot of the NBA trades shake out mm. with, uh, with, with Mr. Simmons finally getting his mental, getting his head straight and, I don't know if that quote was real from Steve Nash the other day, but it says he does a lot of great things on the court, but I don't need to see him shoot. <laughs> it's probably for real. I would say for real. That's, but uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of maneuvering, and I mean, it's a wide open year. You look at there, there's, there's a bunch of teams they get hot at the right time. One of those teams is not the Knicks, and the other team that it's not is not the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> The Knicks ship be sinking. I think Mr. Thibodeau is, is on his way be, out. On his way out. It's, uh, it's just not looking. They're looking very Nixian. <laughs> right? We're <laughs> losing playing old guys. It's like if we're going to lose, let's play the young guys. We don't need to see Taj Gibson, who's almost as old as us, out there busting yeah. his ass. <laughs> I appreciate his effort, but he should be in the senior league or should be watching at home or doing whatever that people do when they retire. Emma Walker, I think, needs two knee replacement surgeries. Time, man, it's time. But uh, it'll be interesting, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. It will be interesting. Anyways, uh, 
we'll see everyone. Uh, well, I don't know if we'll see anybody, but I'm planning on going to Tampa for the Tampa Bay Derby. Yes. A, a so bunch I'm... of guys, of friends of mine are going up there this weekend. Um, a oh, bunch what? of guys that were, were involved in a stable. I was involved with DT Stable. Oh, okay. Way, way, way back when we first started it. And this kind of an idea morphed from a, 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 an internet, for back, lack of a better word, I guess a chat room that Steve Bick had. Uh, he operated Derby Trail. And I was training back then. And one day, Someone threw it out. Hey, why don't we all pitch in and buy a horse? And Steve was like, yeah, let's do it. So we wound up getting a horse called Kicking and Screaming. She was by Chester House. Hmm. She she was not a... Uh, when you look up the definition of, of perfect confirmation, she'd be like on the, on the other page, right? She'd be on the back <laughs> page, not the front page. She'd be on the less than ideal confirmation, but she she tried hard, and uh, we won a race with her at, at uh, um, Arlington. Jose Velez, our man, we met the other day at, at the Pegasus. Oh yeah, he, uh, he 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 rode her to victory. That was our first winner. She also um, she also won a turfway, and Bill Trollo, the jockey, who I think is a steward now in in, in uh, Delaware, it was his last race. And I don't want to say they were like setting it up for him, but it seemed like they were setting it up for him. Except the jockey that we had didn't care; he just wanted to win. Um, <laughs> and uh, and we beat him. <laughs> um, and she wound up running, and and she got claimed, I think, um, at Parks, but maybe she didn't get claimed. I don't remember. I don't. I'll be honest. I don't even remember. I don't. I think we we found her. We retired her into somewhere. I got to ask Steve. I can't even remember. But a bunch of guys, you know, became good friends after that and kept in touch. And every year they make this pilgrimage down the Tampa Bay um, downs in the wintertime. And uh, I'm going to see if I can't make it up there this weekend, just at least for a day or so. But you never know. Got to go see my man Sid. Make sure he's all right over there. Yes. <laughs> Sid is just waiting for the weather to to go back to normal so he can barbecue. He's he's Sid's already a Floridian. He's complaining about about it being sixty, as he should. Well, like I said a couple weeks ago, it's not supposed to be cold here. We have palm trees, man. Yeah. You see those commercials of Corona. <laughs> they got palm trees. They don't got pine trees. They got palm trees. Right. No evergreens. Ooh. Well, like I said, I hope everybody has a good week. And uh, I'm hoping that by next week, we have a little more clarity as to the uh, situation in Kentucky concerning the Kentucky Derby. Hopefully by next week. Yeah. No, if we don't. <laughs> I just don't know, but uh, but that'll that'll be uh, that that that's the the biggest topic in horse racing. Just it just is. So whatever happens, happens, and uh, we'll be here next week to talk about it. Yes, sir. 
All right. Well, you tell Breezy, my little friend, happy Valentine's Day if she's still up, and uh, and we'll uh, we'll speak with you later. All right. Thanks everyone for listening, and uh, if you have comments, Cannon Show at Twitter. Well, actually, at Cannon Show on Twitter, or Going in Circles Podcast at Gmail dot com. Tell us what you think. See you guys later. Hey guys, I wanted to talk to you quickly about some of the changes coming to the Going in Circles Digest, which is our sort of weekly newsletter that we've put out that covers a, a wide variety of topics. Uh, just lately, we've added some guest columnists. Sid Fernando wrote a great piece for us a couple weeks back, and Julian Brown has really helped us out with some uh, excellent handicapping uh, articles and we're going to expand on the handicapping especially uh you know with julian's writing who who used julian used to write for american turf monthly um but it's something that uh, we we think people seem to be interested in and certainly any timely topic is, is something that's going to be covered and uh we're going to do a lot of uh, our weekly previews, especially for the big days and, and the Triple Crown races. Uh, we also want to put it out there that anyone that has something to say, you can be a guest writer. Just contact me. There's a, a variety of ways going in circles podcast at gmail.com is probably the easiest. And we'll, uh, we'll put you out there. And we're not exactly... Uh, at the distribution point of the New York Times or anything, but we do get a lot of click-ons. And if you have something to say, well, we'll help you say it. All right, guys, if you have any suggestions, anything you want to hear about, anything you want to uh, read about, hit me up, goingincirclespodcast.gmail.com, and uh, check it out, goingincirclesdigest.com. Substack.com. Free subscription. Thanks, guys.